0: Eh, there really isn't much to go off of. Sometimes it's just you're trying to get, like, a cargo shipment or something. Not, like, a resupply, but, like, a warehouse cargo. And the missions for it will just be, like, ridiculous. And you're just like, how the fuck do they expect one person to do this? (laughs) And the answer is is because it lets you fucking under-queue for something designed for, like, two, three people. Yeah. Yep. Well, hi, I'm everybody. up Whiskey Wednesdays? Hi.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Whiskey Wednesdays, a Fools and Flagging show where I, the DM, review and discuss various topics regarding D&D as suggested by you and the lovely people in our Discord with the people in our Discord. Uh, Whiskey Wednesdays will be available the Wednesday after the live stream on in VOD form on our YouTube channel and in podcast form on all major platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, Uh, Samsung podcast, pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts, we are there. Uh, For the record,
0: you could have told me to shut the fuck up much earlier.
1: (laughs) Nah, nah, it's fine. We'll just leave that in. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I wanted to leave that in because uh, if you haven't already, please join the Discord. We do play a bunch of games like GTA, Deep Rock Galactic, Destiny, and stuff like that. So if you want some people to just fuck around with and, you know, just do whatever. We are here. I haven't even started drinking and I'm slurry. This happens a lot on Wednesdays. <laughs> I think my brain is just already in alcoholism mode and I'm just ready to go.
2: Activate beer mode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, donations are never required, but always appreciated. If you would like to support us, please consider our coffee page. All proceeds from donations and memberships go straight back into making Fools and Flagons an even better experience, and it helps keep the podcast alive and well. So, speaking of, as we're getting on with announcements, we will be playing, uh, well, no, I think, are we going to try to do Metallurgy Saturday morning before I got to go work the game? Uh, will you have time for it? I mean, call time's three, so I'll have to leave around two, because I also have to go pick up pizza for the crew.
0: We'll do some Metallurgy magic on Saturday morning.
1: Okay, so there's that. Uh, no uh, no DND
0: this week, but. Uh, I know it's awful. Can I stop getting interrupted? Speaking of, no, nah, don't worry about it. Another time. No, I want to know. <laughs> no, I was talking about Sunday, but I keep getting talked over, so it's fine. Oh, the the VR chat thing. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. No, I'm too annoyed. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Well, gonna be doing a DJ. VR chat thingy on Sunday if you want to hang out, join the Discord and we'll friend you and get you in. It'll be fun. There, nailed it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so with that being said, first sip of the night. Here we go. Mm -hmm.
2: Actually, that is a good question. How do you like gauge how much you drink? What do you mean? Like, do you just casually sip it, or, like, once you get past a certain amount of point, do you take another swig, or... I've actually kind of been curious about that, if it's just, like, just drinking for the heck of drinking, or if they're... Like, um, once you cover topics, you drink a little bit more?
1: It's sort of... I don't know, that's a great question. It, it's sort of instinctual. Like, I just took a sip, I've got the nice burn in the chest. Um, I'm not really buzzed or anything yet, it's the fucking first sip of it. Um, I don't know. I never thought about it that hard. That's kind of the point of drinking is you don't want to think very hard. Damn, why am I not drinking? (laughs) I can't say it's lack of trying. Do you want me to let you know every time I take a sip like right now? Just so that you can get an idea. I just didn't know if
2: it was a rhyme to the reason or if it was just, you know, for
1: for pure speculative enjoyment.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it's a little different depending on what kind of alcohol I'm drinking. If it's beer, I'm gonna drink a lot more of it a lot more often because it takes a lot more for me to get anything out of beer. For whiskey like this that just tastes really, really good, it's, for lack of a better word, it's almost improper to just shoot it and down it and chug it. You you sip it, you let it roll around your tongue, you enjoy it, you enjoy the taste, the feel, the the, the burn, depending on what type of whiskey you get. You can get something that's a little bit more floral, some of it's that's Thank a little you, bit man. more spicy. Um, and d- depending on what it is, like if it's fireball, you shoot the shit out of that because you don't want that sitting in your mouth. That's just goopy and stringy and kind of... Yeah. <laughs> um, but
3: screwball whiskey, you can enjoy it.
1: Yeah, screwball whiskey, you can swish around like fucking mouthwash and enjoy every single fucking second of it because it's just liquid peanut butter. Interesting. Um, No, literally. Screwball tastes like you're drinking peanut butter. So it actually tastes like peanut butter?
3: Yes, and it's delicious.
1: And it's keto whiskey out there, too. It's actually kind of dangerous because you sort of forget that you're drinking a Mm high-proof alcohol. And then you're like, this peanut butter's real good.
3: (laughs) That (laughs) was a real burp, by the way. That surprised
1: me. There's my third sip, Zach.
2: Yeah
1: okay. I don't know. Um, I just I, I like the feel of it. I like the burn, the the kind of warmth that it gives you. Um, so I guess once that feeling starts to go away, I start considering if I want to take another sip or if I would kind of want to. Um, especially with whiskey, for me, you you try to ride the buzz as long as possible because it is stronger and you don't need as much. You I may drink a little bit more to get going, but then I'll sip it less and less often to kind of keep me in that same plane of um, buzziness. But enough about whiskey. Everyone is here, theoretically, uh, to hear about D&D whiskey stuff. Wednesday. Whiskey or, Wednesdays. Or they just want to hear us be dumbasses, either or. So, uh, the last Whiskey Wednesdays, we talked mostly about the player races between Spelljammer and 1D&D and that actually went on for quite a while so we weren't able to get to the character backgrounds and the feats of the 1D&D playtest rules so let's go right on into character backgrounds um, so uh, basically the backgrounds are going to be how you get your bonuses to your ability scores So originally, let me actually uh, pull up D&D Beyond to get a side-by-side comparison. Oh, game rules. Uh, So for example, if you were to pick a dwarf, you could get plus two to your constitution. If you picked an elf, you would get plus two to dexterity. A dragonborn gets plus two to strength and plus one to uh, charisma. A gnome would get plus two intelligence, so on and so on and so on. So I believe their intention of making the backgrounds be what gives you your ability scores is to free up you as the role player to be able to pick your race to be that race. You're not, you're not shoehorning your players into, oh, if you're going to be a melee person, then you should pick a half work because they get plus two to strength. Versus being a barbarian elf. Doesn't really make much sense in the grand scheme of things. I mean, sure, you get a plus two dexterity, which is nice because that's added to your unarmored uh, AC bonus for them. But I I guess as another example, a gnome being a barbarian is a little bit less beneficial because it gives you a plus two to your intelligence. Apart from defensive saves that's not really going to help you as far as a barbarian would go. So you would want to pick a dragonborn, a dwarf, uh, a half orc, anything that has strength, dex, or constitution to them, because those are the barbarians' bread and butter. So with these backgrounds, you instead pick the race that you want, and then the background that you choose is what is going to influence that. So as their first example, well, so uh, just backing up a little bit, um, so building your background, using the rules here, you can build a background from scratch or customi- customize a pre-made background. And let me turn on the uh, thing just to show what I'm reading. Uh, focusing on details related to your backstory you have in mind for your character. When you build a background, your character gains the features in the background features section below. Uh, where do they spend most of their time? What do they do for a living? What capabilities and possessions did they acquire? What languages did you learn from your family or around your town? Uh, and how did your past affect their ability scores. So, if you instead decide to customize a pre-made background, you can choose any features in that background and place them with the replace them with the features below of the same name. Uh, for example, if you want to change a background's language feature, you can replace that feature with any language that you want, really. You're not super tight into this. These are fucking guidelines. So, the general premise behind your backgrounds is your ability scores. You can increase one by two, and another score by one, or you can increase three ability scores by one. You get skill proficiencies. You gain two, uh, choose two skills, your character gains proficiency in them. You also get to choose one tool, and you gain proficiency with that tool. It could be leatherworking, tinkerer's tools, thief's tools. Um, with the languages, you choose one language from the standard and one language from the rare. So starting off, everyone's going to know three languages. Common and two others. Uh, You also get to choose a first level feat. And as far as your equipment goes, I'm assuming they're going to be the same rules. You can either start with 50 gold to pay for starting equipment or you'll get a list of like, oh, I'm a barbarian, so I get to pick like a a simple weapon, a bit of chainmail if you want, or a shield for your armor, Delver's kit and all. It doesn't go too specific into that just yet, but I'm going to assume that that will still be an option there. That's my fourth sip, sir. If you're keeping track. Fantastic. So, uh, moving on into some of these sample backgrounds, the first one we have is Acolyte. It's plus two to wisdom, plus one of intelligence. Your skill proficiencies are insight and religion. You get uh, the tool proficiency of calligraphers supplies, you know, celestial as a language, trying to kill a gnat, I missed. And you get the magic initiate feat, part of the, or the uh, divine version of it. And the lore behind that is you devoted yourself to service in a temple, either nestled in a town or secluded in a sacred grove. There you performed hallowed rites in honor of a god or a pantheon you served under priests blah 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 holy shit blah 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 god pray 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 uh, your equipment is a book of prayers calligrapher supplies holy symbol 10 sheets of parchment, of parchment robes and three gold pieces so at yeah any questions concerns so far
2: it's pretty straightforward Mm-hmm. It's pretty much what exists now, just with minor tweaks.
1: It's it's essentially exactly what we have now. Just the the ability scores are tied to the background and not the race. That's literally all that's changing. And I know I know we were talking to Zami on Monday, and they were saying that they didn't really like that. That they wanted the ability scores to be back on the races, but. It's kind of a shame they're not able to be here to discuss it, but I I think I kind of really I mean, like it's, that it's going to be on backgrounds instead. It's a lot more freedom of custom... Uh, customizability. It all depends
2: on how you feel, like, if you're stereotypical about a lot of races. Like, for example, the stereotype with orcs is, you know, orcs are big, strong, and not mm-hmm. all that smart. That doesn't mean all of them are big, strong, right, and but, not
1: that smart. But, but like, if an orc is, is born or... Like, orphaned on the steps of a school. Would they actually get big and strong if they're not in that tribal society of, you know, the strongest survive, and instead you go and you study and you learn? It all kind of <clears throat> depends on, like, when was the last
2: time you remember hearing about an orc that was dropped off at a school? Not saying I, that it doesn't happen, but like... St- again, st- Yeah, yeah well, no, it's a... It to-
1: I guess the closest that I could think of is... Um, what's his face from World of Warcraft? Um, Thrall. Thrall. Yeah. No, granted, he wasn't dropped off at I, a school, but...
2: Yes, he was dropped off at a fighter's pit.
0: <laughs> yes, Metal? I... I prefer it on a... I honestly prefer it on the races, just because I think you know there is inherent like genetic diversity which contributes to like mental aptitude physical strength and And i I know they try and stray from that but this is a fantasy world with a wide swath of creatures like you're not gonna put a gelatinous cube in an acolyte background and then just be like well <laughs> he was raised right <laughs> no no he was he started off as a slime and they tried to get rid of him by throwing books at him and then it got smarter <laughs> yeah. no I just it's it. I, I think it's limiting almost cause like you then build your backstory I mean you kind of build it however you want but like then you pick like a background that better suits your class and you sure this is looking at it a bit from a min-maxing perspective but like sometimes the ability scores of a background that inherently fits your character's like personality and nature and upbringing might not necessarily coincide with what works best for your class and true for what you want to boost you know well
1: Honestly, with, with bit, that particular so. bit in mind though, if, if we look back at the st- at the start where it says that you can literally take any ability scores and put it on any of the backgrounds that you want. like again oh. the- these are these are literally just guidelines. these are examples of a background you can have. shutting my whore mouth. <laughs> well so l- l- let me let me read it again ver- verbatim. Uh, so if you instead to decide to customize a pre-made background, you can choose any features in that background and replace them with the features below of the same name. For example, if you want to change a background's language feature, you can place replace that feature with the language feature below. So you can literally say, "Oh, I want to be an acolyte, but you know, I was part of this. Uh, I got in under an athletic scholarship." Mm. I mean, there's literally yeah. nothing forcing you if you want to be an acolyte and devote yourself to the service of a temple. Instead of being a holy man, you can devote yourself to the temple, but be the bouncer. <laughs> I mean, so you could have calligraphers supplies. You could have uh, proficiencies in insight and religion. But instead of having your ability scores be wisdom and intelligence, maybe you have strength and intelligence. Because you're in a learned place. You got a little bit of boost to your intelligence. But you were basically just trying to get swole and keep the ne'er-do-wells out by fucking chucking them. So you're, you're a big strong man. Now, granted, yeah. the Magic Initiate feat may not be ideal for you, so you would change that as well. The language, the Celestial Language, sure, keep that, because you're in Temple, why not? But, yeah, and I, I would... I think the only times that the, like, rule books are set in stone is if you're doing, like, competitive D&D, where you basically are given a level 1 character, and you're like, okay, the last one to die wins, but everything's hard mode. Like you have to have rations. You have to like disadvantage on everything. I don't fucking know.
0: Yeah, I see that. I uh, I couldn't <clears throat> honestly. Moving it from the races to the background m- might not make literally any difference. Then realistically, if it will. you're looking
2: at it from a mid from a mid maxers perspective, this is more of a This is a better system, because you can literally make whatever you want, have the racials you want, and now put points wherever you want. Yeah. You're not restricted to a certain, like, two. Because a min-maxer is going to pick whatever race is going to give them the best, regardless
1: of what that means RP-wise. Yeah, so, I mean, taking that into account, let's say that this particular min-maxer wants the breath weapon of a dragonborn, but they didn't want the... uh, uh, Two seconds here. They didn't want the plus two strength, plus one charisma because they wanted to be a sorcerer. Those stats don't benefit them at all. Well, now they can be a Dragonborn with the breath weapon and take the Acolyte feat, which gives them intelligence and wisdom, and they've got a leg up on everybody else with a fucking breath weapon and natural armor, which they wouldn't have been able to get with anyone else.
0: Oh, so you can opt to get your ability scores from your race or from your background? I'm confused. So, no, so if you double race, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm comparing...
1: The current race, so the current dragonborn race would give you plus two strength, plus one charisma. So, if someone wanted to play a sorcerer, and sorcerers are weak, they're squishy, they can't wear armor unless they take a feat that allows it because uh, via the lore and the rules, it hinders their ability to move their hands to cast a spell. If you look at a dragonborn who have natural armor, which gives them I think, like, what, 14, 16 AC just because of their hard scales?
2: Uh, it's 13 plus your dex modifier.
1: Okay, so already that's kind of awesome for a sorcerer if versus being like a human that doesn't get that. But being a Dragonborn sorcerer, your strength and charisma don't benefit you. So with the new rules, you take Dragonborn, you get a breath weapon, you get the natural armor, and then you choose the background that gives you... The acolyte background that gives you plus two to wisdom and intelligence because that's where the ability scores are now not with the race true unfortunately for a sorcerer it is charisma but <laughs> well sorry i, I i'm sorry I'm just, uh... I, my, my brain is just trying to differentiate between melee shit and casting shit yeah no you're completely correct like i'm sitting here like oh man he's nailing this
2: but he's actually correct in saying the okay so sorry
1: <laughs> Charlatan gives you plus two to charisma, plus one to dexterity. Even better for the Dragonborn because you're getting a plus one to your dex, which increases your AC. Yes. So there you go.
2: It's a good. It's to be fair, I don't have any complaints about that system.
1: Especially considering that you can literally kind of change whatever you want. Exactly. I mean, backgrounds as a whole were intended to be launching points for your backstory anyway. They were yeah. never meant to really do much. Except maybe let you learn another language or two or have some extra tool proficiencies. I mean, yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: no, I kind of like that. I... <clears throat> it, I... just It's just shifting stuff around. I, mm-hmm. I, I can see, I can see Ian's argument now about it, literally just diversifying. Like, uh, what ra- Like, how much, uh, or like, an upbringing, will affect of your, of your, abilities rather than just natural, innate racial's. Yep. And I mean it's, pass. it's it's, it's kind of cool right. cuz Actually, yes, Isa, take it, it. Sorry, carry on.
1: What? Oh, oh, you guys are so pl- got it. Okay, I understand what's happening now. Um <clears throat> It is It's kind of nice that you're able to pick your racials separate from your stats. Yeah. It 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 does allow for more customizability. Um but uh I'm gonna go down the list and if any of these sound moderately interesting to you, let me know and I'll I'll give them a read. So we've already talked about Acolyte. Uh there's Artisan, Charlatan, Criminal, Issa, um,
3: <laughs> Cultist,
1: <laughs> uh, entertainer, which actually, because you're you're thinking about being a bard, right, Isa?
3: Yup, and that's what I have siren as.
1: Okay, uh, so for we're just going to stop on this one real quick uh entertainer gives you a plus two to charisma and a plus one to dexterity very good because dexterity influences your ac uh, pretty much across the board your skill proficiencies are acrobatics and performance which is good for a bard you at the very least want proficiency in performance uh for your musical talents you get to pick a musical instrument to get proficiency in you would know elvish, and you would get the musician feat. Uh, basically, says you spent much of your youth following roving fairs and carnivals, performing odd jobs for musicians and acrobats in exchange for lessons. You may have learned how to walk a tightrope, how to double pick a lute, or how to recite elvish poetry with the impeccable trills of an elf poet. To this day, you thrive on applause and long for the stage. You get two costumes a musical instrument that you were proficient in perfume i guess a steel mirror cuz you know that's easy to carry around uh traveler's clothes and eight gold pieces
0: Ooh. Ooh.
1: and one of those two costumes has to be a clown costume haha <laughs> and uh um, <laughs> we are going to touch on the feats here a little bit later so we'll we'll probably go into each one of those because those are going to be like really kind of game defining yeah. um There's farmer, uh, gladiator, guard, guide, guides. Interesting.
0: I am a guide in the magical wizarding world of magic.
1: (laughs) With a bit of a bit of a stutter, all the Ms. (laughs) If you'd please come this way, Master Kip. M- M- mother of god uh this one kind of looks like it might take a place of um the current outlander background you get proficiency with cartographer's tools you get proficiency with stealth and survival uh, plus 2 to wisdom plus 1 to dex your language is giant interesting though the the feat is magic initiate primal
0: ooh
3: I want Primal um, Magic. Da, 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 da.
1: Let's see. Uh, Hermit, that one's probably always going to be there. There's always going to be the people that want to play the Lone Wolf. Never play the Lone Wolf. It's boring. No one cares that you're moody and edgy and think you're Edge cool. Lord. You're not. You want to go come
2: to this club? No. I don't want to <laughs> go to this club. I want to spend my night brooding like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you guys see the, the video of the guy that went to his college class dressed up yes. as Batman? Yes. It's like, all right, Batman, what's your favorite band? <laughs> Zach Brown Band. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's Laborer, uh, Noble, Pilgrim. Gotta wear the funny hat and the shoes with the belts. Uh, Sage, that one's been around for a while. Sailor, Soldier, yeah. Uh, And urchin. The sea urchin. No, just... No, street urchin. Yeah, street urchin.
2: No, I like sea urchin. Oh, better.
1: interesting! There, the urchin's language is common sign language. Oh! I never thought of that. Uh, You grew up on the streets, surrounded by similarly ill-fated cast-offs, and a few of, of them friends and a few of them rivals. You slept where you could and did odd jobs for food. At times, when the hunger became unbearable, you resorted to theft. Still, you never lost your pride and never abandoned hope. Fate is not yet finished with you. Oh, God. That's not foreboding or anything. But that gives you... You are
0: fated to be one of the world's greatest paladins. Oh, God. Well, when you
1: consider that they get plus two dex, plus one wisdom, their skill proficiencies are insight and stealth, their tool proficiency is thieves' tools... And they have the lucky feet. So yes, paladin. perfect paladin. <laughs> well, we no, actually, you know, paladin. in a weird way, it kind of makes sense. If you are proficient with stealth and thieves tools and all, you would kind of know what to look out for.
3: And also be mean, a great rogue.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I yeah, have the... <laughs> the paladin <clears throat> rogue. Uh, what was that? The, the paladin.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, Zuzu was a uh, dex rogue. And I, I don't know. He worked pretty well. Paladin. Um, huh? Dex Paladin. Yeah. You said Maybe Dex just... Rogue. Oh, yeah. Zuzu was a Dex Paladin. That worked pretty well.
2: Uh, you uh, you had me
0: worried. It? I was like, wait a minute. Was that you played a lie?
2: You just imagine a Paladin who multiclasses as a fucking thief or whatever the equivalent of. Honestly, a, a lot of people do that for the
0: sneak attack honestly i i i don't think it's that much of a stretch like unless you're going like the holy righteous you must do good at all ten of the corners and kind of paladin then you know then it might not make sense but well but (laughs) you must do good except to take from these children (laughs) well
1: (laughs) I mean if you're looking at it in in the role play sense of a rogue then yeah it wouldn't make all that much sense but if you're looking at it in Zach terms min maxi style imagine that you're a paladin and you're able to flank somebody you get your advantage on your attack you get sneak attack damage and then you get to pump your divine fury into it as well that's a lot of fucking damage, dude.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Not to mention, if you have two, uh, <clears throat> with a certain action economy, you could also cast Branding Smite on there, and yeah. uh, still attack.
1: <laughs> and if you put Random just smite, enough points, smite, sneak
0: attack. oh, dude, Boom. if you
1: if you put just enough levels to get your subclass and you win assassin as well, fuck, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so there's the languages. You can basically pick whatever the fuck you want. It gives you a list of typical users of the language, I guess, to give, like, first-time players an idea. Like, if you see deep speech, you're probably going to first think dwarves, but that's not the case. Deep speech is usually used by aberrations, you know, creatures from the Abyssal Plane. Um... Infernal would be spoken by devils. Primordial would be sp- spoken by elemental. So if you just had a list of languages and you didn't know who the fuck spoke what it could be a little bit difficult to kind of figure that out. So when it says typical users, that doesn't mean that only demons can speak abyssal. It's just if you're playing a campaign where you're going to be talking and interacting with a bunch of demons maybe taking abyssal would be nice. This is true. So uh where's 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 the menu where where my strike through there we go i have eaten it all right so scooching right there along the add to feet uh there are multiple parts to a feet you've got the level so each feet has a level to take your feet your level must equal or exceed that feet's level so if it says first you have to be first level or higher If you have to be third level or higher, then you have to be third level and so on and so forth. Now, what we don't know, oh, sorry, let me finish these. The prerequisite, you must meet any prerequisite specified in a feat to take that feat. If you lose a feat's prerequisite, you cannot use that feat until you regain the prerequisite. Uh, Some feats can be repeatable. If a feat is repeatable, you can take it more than once. If it is not, you can only take the feat one time. What we don't know yet, and we're forced to assume, is that you were able to get feats at the same intervals. You, As you level up, you will get the opportunity to either take a feat or take an ability score increase, as the game is now. Um, so far that I have seen with these rules, that is not specified. All we know so far is that the backgrounds will grant you a first level feat, which of course you can say fuck that, I'm going to take this first level feat instead. You know, it's up to you. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I like that.
1: Yeah. So the the feats will the the backgrounds guarantee you a first level feat. After that, we don't know yet. Um I know that Zach would really like it if uh, you would get your ability score increases and also get feats. I think that would be awesome, but broken because no, no, some no, no, of no, no, these feats are great. I, I mean, just like the ability. So like if you got a
2: feat, like maybe instead of getting the choice between the two, like you'd still get your ability score increases, but maybe like one less of them. And then just the periodic chance or not chance, the periodic like maybe get one or two feats at a different interval.
1: If that, instead of sacrificing an ability score increase. But yeah, I think that's kind of the point of it being such a balancing act between those, because getting the ability score increase is a huge buff to the player. But getting a feat can also be a huge buff to the player as well. And being able to have access to both can be a little broken. Yeah, depends on when you're able
2: to get them. But yeah.
1: Every I don't think level. it I mean it doesn't really matter when no, you no, get no. them if you are able to get both that's broken. Yeah. So, with that being said, let's take a look at some of these cuz some of these are awesome, by the way. Not even necessarily just in like combat scenarios, but in role-play scenarios as well. So, we have alert uh All of these are going to be first level as far as I'm aware, so I'm just going to skip over that, unless it changes. Uh, There is no prerequisite. It is not repeatable. Always on the lookout for danger, you gain the following benefits. Initiative proficiency. When you roll initiative, you can add your proficiency bonus to the roll. Initiative swap. Immediately after you roll your initiative, you can swap your initiative with the initiative of one willing ally in the same combat. You cannot make this swap if you or the ally is incapacitated. So if you roll your initiative and you're like, oh, that's great, and you see somebody beside you that, like, oh, fuck, I really need to go first, you go, hey, hey, friend, good game, coach, <laughs> pat him on the butt, you go first, and you swap <clears throat> initiatives with them.
2: All I can think of that is, unless you're knocked out, just roll for initiative. Oh, shit, they already got Steve. He's
1: knocked out. <laughs> just weekend at Bernie's, and it'll be fine. Uh, the next one is crafter. No prerequisite, it is not repeatable. You are adept at crafting things and bargaining with merchants, granting you the following benefits. Tool proficiency. You gain tool proficiency with three different artisan's tools of your choice. Discount. Whenever you buy a non-magical item, you receive a 20% discount on it. Here is the big part. Faster crafting. When you craft an item using a tool with which you have tool proficiency, the required crafting time is reduced by 20%. It that's kind of massive in a roleplay sense. I mean, if you're looking at something that's going to take you 10 days to build, I mean, that brings it down to eight. That shaves off two whole fucking days. All right. Since there's no there's comments on that, going to go on to healer. Uh, no prerequisite, not repeatable. You have the training and intuition to administer first aid and other care effectively, granting you the following benefits. Battle Medic. If you have a healer's kit, you can expend one use of it and tend to a creature within five feet of you as an action. That creature can expend one of its hit dice and you then roll that die. The creature regains a number of hit points equal to the roll plus your proficiency bonus. You also have healing re-rolls. Whenever you roll a die, to determine the number of hit points you restore with a spell or with this feat's battle medic benefit, you can re-roll the die if it rolls a 1 and you must
0: use the new roll. Interesting. I actually really like that. That yep. way, if someone is the dedicated healer, they can literally take a feat to be the dedicated healer.
1: And for those that aren't fully aware, technically anyone can have a healer's kit. But what this feat does is it doesn't force you to make a check. So if um, Kip, a sorcerer illithid, wanted to use a healer's kit, he would have to make a medicine check up to a certain DC to be able to do it properly. Or he's basically just taking the whole bag and trying to stuff the wound instead of taking the stuff out of the bag to actually like bandage clean it and stitch it. Are you feeling better now? <laughs> Are you feeling better now, <laughs> Mr. Krabs? Whack, whack.
0: Yeah, I like that. <sighs> that way anyone can really spec into being a healer. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that it says you can expend one use of it. I I'm at,
1: Hold on. I actually don't remember how many uses a healing kit comes with.
0: I'll Probably something like quick. 10, 20.
1: I don't remember. There's herbalism kit. That doesn't fucking help me.
0: <laughs> fucking useless
1: oh hold on I think it's medicine something why can't I remember what that's hold on where's where's well there's one of me characters I really dislike d and d beyond's search feature sometime yeah manage inventory search healer's kit. It's because I didn't type a fucking apostrophe. <laughs> uh, let's see. This kit is a leather pouch containing bandages, blah blah blah. It has ten uses. And it's, it costs five gold. That's a regular good. A regular healing potion is going to cost you 75 gold pieces. But again, you have to make a check with it to make sure that you don't, you know, fuck them up or anything.
2: But if you take that fee, you don't have to.
1: Uh, as an action exactly. you can expend one use of the kit to stabilize a creature that has zero hit points without needing to make a wisdom uh, medicine check
2: yeah that sounds pretty good
1: yeah so that's a neat feature it's feet it's a feat sure <laughs> yep uh next up we have lucky no prerequisite not repeatable You have inexplicable luck that can kick in at just the right moment, granting you the following benefits. Luck points. You have a number of luck points equal to your proficiency bonus. You can spend the points on the benefits below, and you regain them when you take a long rest. Advantage. Immediately after you roll a d20 for a d20 test, you can spend one luck point to give yourself advantage on the roll. Disadvantage. When a creature rolls a d20 for an attack roll against you, you can spend one luck point to impose disadvantage on that roll. Mhm. Aleki. Like Magic initiate. <clears throat> no prerequisite, but it is repeatable. But you must choose a different spell list each time. So, you have learned the basics of a particular magical tradition. <clears throat> choose one spell list: arcane, divine, or primal, and you gain the following two benefit or you have the following benefits related to that choice. You get two cantrips. You learn two cantrips of your choice from the spell list. And you also get a first level spell. Choose one first level spell from the spell list. You always have that spell prepared. You can cast it once without a spell slot and you regain the ability to cast it again after you finish Long Rest. You can also cast the spell using any spell slots you have. So if the spell can be upcast, it can be upcast. Uh, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma is your ability for these spells. You choose it when you select the feat. Um uh, Whenever you gain a new level, you can replace one of the spells you chose for this feat with a different spell of the same level from the chosen spell list. So if you start with your certain cantrip, and you're like, wow, that was dumb. And you level up, go, heh now I got Firebolt. New spell list. New spell list.
0: So uh, it grants you spell slots as well? No.
1: Um, you were given a first level spell. But let's say that you are level 8 and you have uh, you can cast up to like 4th level spells, right? You can cast this spell for free at 1st level without using a spell slot. Once you do that, you can cast it again at 1st level using a spell slot. Or if it can be cast up at like 4th level, then you can use the 4th right. level spell slot and cast it. But I'm so just this- thinking...
0: Like does someone who doesn't innately have spell slots get any use out of this or is it Oh, just well then, yes. So, a at the very
1: least, it would give you a first level... S- uh, a no. You would be a You would it. You would use it. You would not it. spell you would it. So you would be a to cast of a little bit of a I'm assuming, like, with a barbarian or a barbarian or a fighter or something, a could technically take this feat and get two cantrips and a first level spell... a first level that you can cast uh, once per long rest, but you would not get spell slots for it.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's pretty freaking sweet. That's um.
1: my understanding of the,
0: um, <coughs> the way yeah, that works. Yeah, no, that makes sense.
1: It's kind of like if you're a barbarian and you were given a wand of fireball. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can cast fireball, but you're not a spellcaster. Fireball.
0: Fireball. <laughs> Oh god, no I wanna I want Boar to cast fireball.
1: (laughs) Well Boar had flaming sword, so close enough.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If he if he flamed his his sword and threw it. Huh? What was his activation word, do you remember? Uh some Celtic shit. Hold on. Uh oh, Shruhan. Shruhan, that's the one.
1: Uh the next feat is musician. Issa, pay attention there is there is no prerequisite it is not repeatable uh you get instrument training you gain tool proficiency with three musical instruments of your choice and you also get inspiring song as you finish a short rest or a long rest you can play a song on a musical instrument with which you have tool proficiency and give inspiration to allies who hear the song the number of allies you can affect this way equals your proficiency bonus. So, for those who weren't here last time or don't remember, inspiration now lets you have advantage on one d20 test that you perform. So basically at the start of the day as you wake up, fucking easy just get up. Get up. The dew was on the buttercup. Get up. And everyone's like, "Hi, I'm so inspired. I have advantage on one d20 test today." Like, the whole fucking party. You just get advantage because Issa sang.
2: But what if I didn't study <laughs> for the test?
1: Then you get negative inspiration.
2: I mean, I can take oh. your inspiration away if you want. No, 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 no. You get disadvantage on your
1: first roll of the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's just a really, really cool thing you can do. Because, I mean, you can do it after a short rest, which is 30 minutes to an hour. So if you guys are in the middle of a dungeon, you take a second to just kind of sit, and Issa just you know, strums away. Well, the next room you go into, everybody's got advantage, so long as their proficiency's high enough. Uh, Savage Attacker is the next one. There is no prerequisite. It is not repeatable. You have trained to deal particularly damaging strikes. When you take the attack action and hit a target with the weapon as part of that action, you can roll the weapon's damage dice twice and use either roll against the target. You can use this benefit only once per turn. So you kind of weirdly have advantage on your damage rolls. Interesting. Which isn't really a thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's interesting that it says you can use either roll, which let's say that you're trying to intimidate someone and get them really low, but you don't want to outright kill them. But you're, you know, you're hulked out. You're swinging and you're like, well, how's he looking, DM? It's like, he's looking pretty rough. It's like, well... I rolled a one and a 12. I'm, I'm going to go take the one. The one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or let's say you're doing a competition and you have to roll and you you want to throw the fight to make them feel good because maybe you'll get a better deal out of whatever, uh, you know, agreement you had made. But, you know, the dice gods are with you and you roll a 12 and a one. You're like, oh, well, I'm I want to throw the fight but not throw the fight. So, oh, no, I only dealt
0: one damage. <gasps> a boo. I only grazed his pectoral instead of mercilessly mashing it in gladiatorial (laughs) combat. (laughs) Uh, Mercilessly mashing the man chest. Now, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. next Mm -hmm. feat Mm -hmm. is
1: very interesting. It is called Skilled. There is no prerequisite, and it is repeatable. Keep that in mind. You have exceptionally broad learning. Choose three skills in which you lack proficiency... You gain proficiency in those skills. That is massive,
0: guys. I uh, repeat it one more time. I was slightly distracted. So choose three skills in which you lack
1: proficiency. You gain proficiency in those skills.
0: Oh, fuck. This, this
1: This feature is repeatable. Now, granted, you won't be able to use this to give yourself, say, uh, expertise, but by the end of the game, you could theoretically have proficiency in every single skill.
0: Yeah, that's pretty wild. Like, that's, I mean, sure, you'd have to spec pretty hard into getting, like, skills instead of, well, anything else, but... Uh, still that's pretty fucking baller
1: where is it where's the humans cause
0: uh,
1: so that's that's one thing that's really 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 huge about the humans um, wait where'd it go oh so as a human one of your humanoid special traits is versatile you gain the skilled, fe- the skilled feat or another first level feat of your choice as a human, you just get three more proficiencies. And yeah. then you choose a background and give yourself skilled again?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you start off with six skills that you're proficient in. On top 100%. of skillful, which you gain proficiency in one skill of your choice. You could theoretically start the game with seven skill proficiencies. That is dumb. That is pretty fucking stupid. That's not even looking I at the know. backgrounds that could give you... Uh, other skill proficiencies. E? Uh, let's see, where was it? Okay, so that was skilled. Tavern Brawler. Um, no prerequisite, it's not repeatable. You're accustomed to brawling. Uh, enhanced Unarmed Strike. When you hit with your Unarmed Strike, you deal damage. Oh, sorry, and deal damage. Like, no shit, you deal damage. Uh, you can deal bludgeoning damage equal to 1d4 plus your strength modifier instead of the normal damage of an unarmed strike, which is usually just your uh, strength modifier. Oh, sorry, it, normally an unarmed strike is 1 plus your strength modifier. Now you get to roll a d4 and add your strength modifier, so it's, you have the potential of doing slightly more than someone else. Um, Interesting. Damage re-rolls. Whenever you roll a damage die for your unarmed strike, you can re-roll a die if it rolls a 1 and you must use a new roll. You also have Shove. When you hit a creature with an unarmed strike as part of the attack action on your turn, you can deal damage to the target and also push it five feet away. You can use this benefit only once per turn. So you basically just punch somebody so hard you shove them five feet away from you.
0: Which what could be a very... A- huh? you shove is- them so hard, you deal damage.
1: Okay. Well, when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can also shove them, is what it's saying.
0: Well, so sure, technically but you're pu- you're instead punching. of instead of actually punching him, then shoving him like a jackass, you just shove him and it deals damage <laughs> for flavor instead oh, of doing... I was just thinking that you know. hit
1: them so hard they backpedal. But that can be very, very <laughs> beneficial if you're in a, in a brawl with your other teammates because if you shove someone away five feet, that opens up everyone else in melee combat with that chuckle nut to opportunity attack, which is more potential damage. Well, this is the part I think you're going to like. Furniture as weapons...
0: Yes! <laughs> you can
1: wield furniture as a weapon using the rules of the Great Club for small and medium furniture and the rules of the club for tiny furniture. So if you are unarmed and you're in a tavern brawl, grab a chair. Yeah.
0: Fucking Drew on! not gotcha. shit.
1: <laughs> the chair just lights on fire.
0: <laughs>
1: I didn't expect that to work! Um. Uh, last but not least, so far that we have at the moment, is the tough feat. No prerequisite, it is not repeatable. Your hit point maximum increases by an amount equal to twice your character level when you gain this feat. Whenever you gain a level thereafter, your hit point maximum increases by an additional two hit points. Interesting. Which is one
0: of my favorite feats
2: personally.
1: Which isn't a whole lot. I mean, it by the time you're level 20, you've got an extra 40 hit points. Which, you know, that's that's a, a decent amount. It's a fairly decent amount. I mean,
2: depends on, like, for example, like, if you're a sorcerer or something yeah. like that. Like, 40's
1: a lot. That's a lot of hit points. Look, I mean, health
0: is health, man. Yeah. Level 20, you get fucking 40 additional health points to your pool. And I mean... The cool thing about the tough feat is that it kind of... uh,
1: What's the word I'm looking for? It does not hinder you to take it later versus early.
0: Yeah. Because when you gain
1: it, your hit point doubles.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's... I think it's... Sorry, not doubles. It's a really cool feat. Like, it's a... It's very versatile. It can either be used by tanks to be even more tanky or it can be taken by the squishy character to just try and not be as squishy and not get (laughs) died as much. What? Yeah, get died. I just see her fox
1: staring angrily, but I don't know that she's actually there or not.
0: Uh, Did you say a name? Oh, I I coughed Kirsten. Oh, Oh, (laughs) sorry.
3: I'm focused right now. (laughs) <laughs> You're
0: good. We were basically just saying that you could get the shit. tough feet to not be as squishy in one D&D.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, with you being level eight right now, you would have an extra 16 hit points if Which you were to have the tough nights.
3: feet. Yeah, but I also made the probably not so popular decision to make my character's stats, like, kind of match her race.
0: To make it realistic.
3: Uh So, which is why she is not very strong. Because she is small fuck.
2: (laughs) Having, okay, so that's a very big misconception that being strong means you know how to take a hit. Like, you don't have to be muscle-bound
3: I thought that was more constitution regarding being able to take a hit.
2: Yeah,
1: but. With you being. Well, yeah. No, constitution affects your. Yeah. Your constitution is, but
2: like. If you. So, just be. I'm trying to think of the best way to
1: explain it. Like. So, the awkward part with Kirsten is her AC is not great, and her health pool is not great. Generally, when your health pool is not great especially for a rogue you would have a much higher ac because of your dex and some other stuff that you would get which negates the need for you to have a higher health pool it's just kind of in this weird limbo state of having neither sort
2: of
3: yeah i didn't roll super well for her stats either
2: well so okay so maybe i misunderstood but you, so you said you made her stats
3: so in out line of with, mm-hmm. yeah so out of the numbers that i rolled Huh. I chose to not give strength the most. Yeah. Because she is small fox.
2: Which is fine, but like Which makes sense for a rogue. Yeah, but like, I'm trying to think of that how that makes your health pool low. Cause constitution's well, constitution's
3: pretty- also not high because I didn't roll well.
2: <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, like, you didn't mention the second part there, so I'm like. I didn't. I didn't put a bunch of the strength, and that's why I can't. I'm like, wait, wait. Yeah, no. Second, but what?
3: <laughs> but we were talking about, you know.
1: Yeah. Un-
3: unfortunately,
1: she rolled the poorest out of everyone in the group, so yeah. her character suffers just a little bit. But yeah. Um. Let's see what else we got here. Looking at some of the other rules, we already talked about the D20 test. they they've simplified the language for that. Instead of saying like an attack, a save, or a check, it's a it's now all considered a d20 test. Cuz apparently some that people were having trouble with the wording.
0: <clears throat> yeah, ability I'm checks. Those saving throws, <laughs> attack rolls. Yeah. It it can be confusing. Like, okay, okay, what dice do I roll for this again? Usually the answer is D20, but one time that it isn't, you forgot to ask. And of course... Fair. Um, Well,
3: but there's different modifiers for the saving throws and checks.
0: Yeah, and in those cases, I'm sure they would specifically specify for saving throws or for... Yeah. Stuff like that. But in general, if it can apply to any D20 check, instead of saying attack rolls, skill checks, ability checks, and saving throws, they can just be like d20 tests.
1: So let, let me let me read the, the full description of this to maybe clear, because I, I probably just worded it poorly as well. The term d20 test encompasses the three main d20 rolls of the game, ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws. If something in the game affects d20 tests, it affects all three of those rolls. The DM determines whether a D20 test is warranted in any given circumstance. To be warranted, a D20 test must have a target number no less than five and no greater than 30. So essentially, if we say that, um, like, someone casts Bardic Inspiration on you, Kirsten, on Kasumi, and it's like, okay, well, you can now add a D12 to any D20 test. Instead of saying... You can add uh, a D12 to a ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. It's just D20 test. Okay. I don't believe they are getting rid of the terminology of ability check, attack roll, and saving throws. They're just simplifying that this thing happening right here will affect a D20 test.
3: Okay. It saves on characters. It
1: saves on page space.
0: Yeah, they're not entirely doing away with... Uh... Yeah, that'd get complicated as fuck.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: Rolling a natural 1. If you roll a 1 on the d20, the d20 test automatically fails regardless of any modifiers to the roll. That is kind of a... Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The most I can think of, of that being is like a rogue's reliable talent which basically says if you roll lower than a 10, consider yourself to have rolled a 10. The only thing that would counter that is a natural one, which is why that specifically says it automatically fails regardless of any modifiers to the roll. So a Thieves Reliable Talent would not negate a natural one. Um, If you roll a 20 on the d20 test... It automatically succeeds, regardless of any modifiers to the roll. A player character also gains inspiration when rolling the 20, thanks to their remarkable success. Rolling a 20 does not bypass limitations on the test, such as range and line of sight. The 20 bypasses only bonuses and penalties to the roll. So if you had a debuff on you that gave you uh, like a negative 3 to your intelligence or whatever, and... You rolled a natural 20, well, fuck it, you still succeed, bud. Doesn't mean you can run through a brick wall.
2: (laughs) No, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Listen, kids, follow your dreams. Run through a brick wall. Even if they're through a brick
0: wall. (laughs) (laughs) Catch Um, the book. You can do it. Be a man. (laughs) Be a man. (laughs) Uh, Critical hits. (laughs) No, go ahead.
2: This is, the, this is the first time playing d and I didn't know fucking physics. Was I there. didn't know gravity
1: worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, critical hits. Weapons and unarmed strikes have a special feature for player characters. Critical pen. hits. Specifically, it says for player characters, which means that me as a DM, I will not be able to critical hit anymore. If a player character rolls a 20 for an attack roll fuck off with a weapon (laughs) or an unarmed strike, the attack is also a critical hit, which means it deals extra damage to the target. You roll the damage dice of the weapon or unarmed strike a second time and add the second roll as extra damage to the target. So, as of this point in time, if you are going by the letter of the book, monsters and NPCs cannot crit players... Spells cannot crit, which I hate it. We all uh, collectively agree is bullshit. Except I'm sure some of you would prefer the DM not be able to crit. But I mean,
3: honestly, I think that takes out a huge contributing factor to the combat and like the danger of combat when you're getting into a fight. If you take away the DM's ability to crit, I feel like players are going to be a lot more. Um, not careless, but they're they're gonna make stupid Less decisions. Cautious, they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna get in a lot more combat situations, and I think
0: I think the opposite personally. I think it makes it more of a balanced playing field, so um, DMS can throw maybe a few more, or it rebalances the playing field, I should say. So a DM can maybe. Costs maybe one or two more monsters in an encounter where previously they wouldn't be able to or something like that
1: because i'd be worried about critting with a lightning breath attack from a dragon or something like that
0: yeah what so it, it it up it's up to the dm basically even on if it's like a per encounter basis just being like okay they will be able to crit this encounter or they won't be able to crit this encounter well i'd there's... probably stray from that for the sake of simplicity but that is an option it's there's, also
1: a caster is not being able to crit thing. There's. It's just like, I, I know. We we, we agree that caster not being able to crit is fucking stupid, but.
3: I will write it. I know. But.
1: There's. There's another potential factor to that that we maybe just don't know yet. These are the original playtest rules. We haven't seen everything. There's every possibility that they're going to balance that. That instead of creatures and mobs being able to critically hit, maybe they're going to have one more extra attack or have a little bit of a buff to their damage. Maybe there's going to be, be a- something to do with spells, a buff to the spells themselves that makes it so that crits the loss of a crit on a spell isn't as detrimental as we
0: think. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I'm holding out for, is mm-hmm. to see like whether spellcasters and DMs will get Something, <laughs> a, a little bit of a buff or like a a boon on a natural 20 that isn't damaged. Like, say a monster rolls a natural 20, and then he hoots and hollers, and then all of a sudden, there's another monster in the mix being tossed in or something, like a fucking rally cry, or... I mean,
1: on top of that, though, there there could also be something that just makes it so that like, landing landing a d20 for a spell isn't even all it's cracked up to be for a spell now because even rolling just a hit period is already detrimental enough. Like, you don't yeah. need the critical hit because, oh my god, you fucking hit. I don't know. We don't know yet. I'm excited to see where this all ends up going. Um, yeah. The other big thing that I wanted to talk about, as a lot of videos have been coming out about it, is the new grappled condition. So, while you are grappled, you experience the following effects. Your speed is zero and cannot change. Uh, you have disadvantage on attack rolls against any target other than the grappler. fear back. Okay. Um, Moveable. The grappler can drag or carry you, but the grappler suffers the slowed condition while moving, unless you are tiny or two more... Two or more sizes smaller than the grappler. While grappled, you can make a dexterity or saving throw against the grapple's escape to sea at the end of each of your turns, ending the condition on yourself on a success. The condition also ends if the grappler is incapacitated or if something moves you outside the grapple's range without using your speed. So what makes this really interesting is how the grapple is able to be performed from my current understanding with original with the rules as they are now in the current DD, you have to make you have to specifically say i want to grapple this person and then you roll a strength contest if um zon wants to grapple brick you both roll strength and whoever is the highest succeeds either zon is successful in grappling brick or brick like slaps his hands away whatever now grappling is just a check against his ac so if Zon says i'm gonna grapple brick he rolls a d20 if he surpasses bricks ac he's grappled there's no contest spider monkey (laughs) which is well it's it's very very interesting because like I, i know the the current argument right now is talking about monks Monks put a lot of their points into dexterity. They, they want to hit, they want to move, they want to not be hit. They don't put a lot of points into strength. So grappling something with a strength contest is not a great idea. Um, but since their attacks are based on dexterity, all they have to do is surpass the dexterity and then you're grappled. So it's a huge, huge boost to them. And rogues.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, screw giving rogues things, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Fair. Um, inspiration, we've talked about it before. Inspiration basically gives you advantage on a D20 test. Um, uh, the slowed condition that we talked about before, you must spend one extra foot of movement for every foot you move using your speed. So if you're in the middle of combat and you want to move one square, which would normally be five feet it's 10 feet. So if you have 30 feet of movement, you can only move 15 feet. That's basically what that's saying. Instead of six blocks, you can move three. <clears throat> um... Oh. Strike, Tremorsense, we've kind of talked about all those before. I'm not going to go through the spell list because all we have so far is the names. We don't actually have the stats for any of these. So, again, we're not really able to see, like, does Ray of Frost do something more... Uh, than normal, which negates the need for it being able to critically hit. We don't know. So, all in all, I'm still very excited to see um, how this all kind of gets on. I'm excited,
2: other than obviously the one thing we talked about, but again, I did also say I'm reserving to see like what they do. Yeah. If they compensate in one way or another, that's fair, I agree. But if they try to pull some cop-out bullshit, where they're just like,
1: "Nah," and I mean, they don't need it. At the same agree. time, you know, the game evolves, the game changes. It it brings up new strategies. It freshens the game to some extent. You have to rethink your approaches to combat. Either way, it's, I'm not terribly opposed. Either way, it would suck, yes, but I'm also not gonna be like, "Bruh, anarchy."
2: Yeah,
1: leave that for me. Anarchy! Yeah, one is enough. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the two people that suggested the next topic are not here. Uh, Metal just left. And Becca's not here. But, I'll go ahead and kind of cover my thoughts on it. So, destructible terrain and how active battle affects the map and movement. So, there's kind of a few ways to really go about this. There, there are siege rules and there are tables out there that give you the uh, AC and hit points of a lot of very common items within the world. Doors, walls, windows, tables, chairs, things of that nature. And you can kind of, um, based on that, kind of guesstimate what your particular item that they're trying to break through uh, or destroy would take. There are also a few weapons that have Siege properties, which essentially gives you a bonus to attacking structures. More damage, uh, advantage on hitting it, that sort of thing. Um, so, huh? I'll wait for you to finish up before I, uh, before I... So, destructible terrain is something that I don't feel like a lot of players really think about in the game, at least as far as uh, combat would go, in in the sense of the second part of the topic... Um but it is it is very much a factor. If Zahn were to say that Well that guy over there is behind that uh pillar of this ruined place, I'm gonna center my shatter right beside it, so I hit him and the pillar. And I would say, Okay, well roll your attack. And if his AC beats the dude, of course the dude gets damaged, but if his AC also beats the pillars, then I would say, Okay, um, you know, that damage also applies to the pillar. And if it's enough, then I would say that depending on where he places that shatter, the pillar would also fall over. And if it happens to fall and land on the guy, that's going to be some extra bludgeoning damage to him. Uh, That pillar is now on the ground. Theoretically, you could get behind that and get half to three quarters covered depending on how you approach it uh, flavor-wise and what you tell me that you're trying to do. So, yes, I, I absolutely think that battle maps can be affected by players doing things, but it's also kind of on the players to think about that and make use of that. We touched
2: on that earlier. I don't think you were in here or you were muted, but, like, it was one of those where it's also, like, not a specific, like... uh, What was it? It's not something specifically everybody brings up, but, like, it's something that I personally think, like, a mindful dm would would think of or if a player thinks of it mention it like so for example like you said before a pillar or let's just say it's a crate mm-hmm. and you have like me i cast call lightning which literally is a fucking lightning bolt and i center it on him while he's standing against a crate if you've ever seen what lightning does to something the crate ain't going to fucking be there when it's done right that's fair. But it's yeah, it's one of those where it's like within reason, like if you're using something that doesn't destroy terrain, or you know, moving water about, or you know using something that's maybe a direct like a direct attack that would hit somebody in the face,
1: maybe not a piece of terrain as well. In
0: my own so des- much in of- my
1: own defense, as the DM for our campaign Unless you specifically say something about wanting to affect the terrain that you are striking near, I'm probably not going to think of it because I'm concerned about eight different things things at that particular time. I'm concerned about the enemy's movements, what you guys are trying to do and how to flavor it to make it sound awesome, keeping track of health and abilities and ranges and rules, adding on environment that no one else is really discussing it's probably going to slip my mind i should probably be better about it but this is also my first time dming so i'm still getting the hang of things you're doing just fine if if you guys ever think that like well that guy's in the middle of the room and there's a chandelier up there kirsten pulls out uh basaito and shoots the fucking chain well hell yeah that's fucking awesome i'm focusing on the chandelier now let's see what happens boo crush the motherfucker i don't care so, yeah. And, you know, there's also um, very specific spells that will alter the terrain as well. Not even just um, visual things that I put there. Yep. This For this example, very interesting. you have a Firewall, which on one side is extreme heat up to 15 feet away from it, I believe. Uh, 10 to 15 feet away. And on the other side is about 5 feet away. So that, like, if you guys are on this one side and uh, your wizard casts Firewall, you can be a little bit closer to it. But the enemies on the other side will get burned if they get, um, it, it's it's more heat pumping away from you than within. There's like Wall of Wind, there's uh, like Thorn Wall or something like that where you basically just make a hedge maze of thorns. Like there's all sorts of shit that you can do to alter the terrain in the middle of combat and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like control water. I don't get
2: to use it all that often, but you know. When I do Oh, it'll be mean.
1: It'll be real mean. <laughs> it's funny just watching that chubby cheek bunny go, it'll be real mean. I'm <laughs> gonna eat this carrot. I'm gonna be mean. Um so <laughs> Kirsten, since I'm stalling for time since the rule of Whiskey Wednesdays is I have to finish my alcohol before the stream ends, mm-hmm. um, with you having probably been the most experienced player out of all of us, have you ever done anything that affected terrain or the environment outside of just shooting someone? Like, have you done anything fantastical as, like, pushed a boulder over the ledge? Or anyone in your party have done that before?
3: Um, yeah. Um, for actually my very first D&D campaign I played, I played a sorceress. So, of course, fireball was a lovely spell. Um, (laughs) So there was a uh, combat situation that I remember, at least off the top of my head, where we were fighting this big, like, giant uh, bulbous ogre thing. I don't even quite remember what the exact monster was, but...
1: Right, I'm grossed um, out. Continue.
3: (laughs) Yep. So uh, we were kind of out in a field, and it was surrounded by a bunch of wooden crates. Um, With enemies around it. Mm -hmm. So when I cast fireball. uh, All the crates around them. Went up in flames. So it was difficult terrain at that point in time. Because not only were they burnt. To a crisp. But then if you survived it. You're still surrounded by flames. Um, So when it comes to that. A lot of the times. It's not necessarily just the terrain. In those cases. Especially when it comes to fire. But it. A lot of it had contributing factors, as in what was around them. Mm-hmm. Can it catch on fire? Um, or, you know, if you cast a lightning spell while you're standing in water, probably not the best choice. Especially if you have someone next to you, like a team member. Zach, didn't you water? didn't you did. cast something we in were, the
1: tunnel when you were fighting the basilisk? We were fighting... Yeah, I was,
2: I was, I casted lightning or call lightning on the one, or it was, it was storm strike or call lightning. I used a lightning spell on one in the water and it did do bonus damage because you were like, mm-hmm. it's in the water.
3: Yeah, but then those are things you have to contribute to the, are any of your teammates in the water at the time? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, most, most of my area effect, um, slash terrain manipulation were due to, you know, fire spells. Um, but I do feel like a lot of times the terrain, you know, gets overlooked because DMs have a lot to focus on. A lot.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: So but with, with that, that being cool said,
1: element. if if something ever comes up and you guys notice it, like, well, hey, he just cast lightning next to that barrel. What was in that barrel? And I go, oh, <laughs> what well, was in that barrel? <laughs> I mean, by by all means, please bring it up if if you think that something extra might happen and I missed it. I, you know, I'm open to the rule of cool. Mm-hmm. Like, oh well, hey, Zon just cast lightning over there, and that looks like water, isn't it? And if I look at, it, I go, oh no. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna factor it in if it makes sense. But yeah, I sometimes I have a lot to think about, and um, mm-hmm. I overlook things. So please, by all means, let me know if there's something you think that might be badass.
3: Yeah. Or, I mean, heck, there was, um, there was one moment in uh, my other campaign where we had a wagon that we were um, toting around, like a wooden wheel wagon mm-hmm. that we were toting around, a bunch of supplies, and actually some small children that we rescued. Oh, no. And then the wheel broke. So, um, actually, no, it got stuck in mud. That's what happened. So, it got stuck in a bunch of mud, so we couldn't move the wagon. So, we were all trying to think of how in the world are we going to manipulate this to make it work. So, a couple of us had um, some uh, abilities to cast, like, ice magic. And we basically froze over the mud in front of it and then had the barbarian push it up onto the now frozen patch of mud so fun things like that like i yeah. think it was like um frost something i don't remember the exact spell that was used
1: ray of frost or something maybe
3: yeah ray of frost um so just using something that's typically like a combat like dealing damage type of spell but using it to manipulate the ter- the terrain to get something accomplished
1: makes sense Yeah, I mean, it's... I love those moments when you guys think of shit like that. I, I think the most recent one was um, when I was doing the one shot with uh, James, Metal, Becca, and, and all of them. When he was like, hey, uh, hey, DM. It's like, yeah, what's up, man? It's like, what kind of cannons are down below? And I, my first thought was like, Oh, no. Uh, There's standard ship cannons. So so 8-inch bore? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's, it's ship to ship, so 8 inches is pretty big. Yeah, let's go with that. It's like, and how much do those weigh? It's like, uh, give me two seconds. I googled real quick. It's like, eh, 400-ish pounds. It's like, I can lift that. It's like, oh, God, what are you doing? <laughs> so he went down, and he got some ballista bolts, and he was like, Katun, rogue man, tie ropes to this we make net (laughs) and then i i felt so bad because he waited for so long to fire that thing and i could see him getting frustrated frustrated wasting his turn after turn (laughs) because metal was uh putting it to sleep with his bard spells um uh gregor was shooting it with his hand crossbow and missing and uh then finally it got within range and i was like hey gunther your time to shine he goes i shoot it's like all right roll 5d20 so he rolled the first two they missed i was like oh no he rolled the second two they missed i was like no and he rolled the last one he goes natural 20 i don't remember if it was natural 20 but he hit i was like oh thank god so it hit him and he grabbed it he started to pull and then uh metal and suave was like as soon as that dragon is over the edge i'm holding a sleep spell it's like oh okay so it comes to gunther's I pull really hard. <laughs> and he just fucking yanked this thing over the edge. Swab put his sleeve in it just thunk onto the fucking uh, deck of the ship. I mean, that—that that is just some next level fucking thinking. He had no reason for that to work, but he was able to make it work. And it was just, it was so fucking phenomenal. Uh, granted, James is also a very seasoned uh, player, <laughs> so he's he's got that mindset to think outside the box and not just with what's written on the paper in front of him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was no no offense to you guys, that was probably one of the cooler moments that I've had the pleasure of DMing so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh. That about covers it, unless anyone else has anything they want to talk about or discuss. I'm open kobolds. to anything. Kobolds? No, bad. No, don't kobolds. do it, it's a trap. I mean, we can talk about kobolds. <laughs> uh. Oh, someone's posting in music. Holy shit. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> Is that a cover of Tunuk Tun- A metal version? Yes. Okay i'm gonna have to listen to that after uh the stream is done if you're curious what we're talking about please join the discord the link will be in the chat if you're watching us live if not uh it should be down below either in the description of the youtube vod or in the uh text of the podcast description we welcome anyone and everyone you don't have to hop into chat if you don't want to you can lurk you can even pop in and keep yourself muted and just listen to us be stupid we we we're right just it. yeah we're very good at being dumb trust me <laughs> but with that being said i'm kind of all out of things to talk about so i think i'm going to end it here for now sure. um if anyone has any suggestions as far as topics that you would like to discuss we have a channel in the discord for whiskey wednesday's topics you are more than welcome to suggest anything and everything regarding D&D, I will do the research and I will find out what I can about it and give my two cents. But, until then, thank you all so much for joining and listening and watching. We will see you next week for actual D&D, and we'll see you in two weeks for Whiskey Wednesdays. So, good night. enjoy, have a great weekend.
2: Goodbye! Goodbye! Goodbye!
1: Thank you for listening to the Whiskey Wednesdays podcast. You can watch the show live on Twitch every other Wednesday. If you'd like to recommend a topic for us to discuss, please join our Discord. The links can be found in the description, and we look forward to seeing you soon.